It's not just, you know, take what you're given and be happy with it and go on your way. Some of the stigma that we try to break down is that, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We hear all these kind of terrible one-liners for reasons why people don't give to people in need. And I think a lot of that stems from ignorance. You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with David Louch and Jason Hunt. This is a show all about unlocking the marketing tactics and secrets behind everyday brands. Each week, we'll bring you expert commentary so that you can make better choices when it comes to growing your business. Thank you for spending time with us. Now let the show begin. Hello, everyone. Thank you, and welcome back to the Merge Marketing Podcast. Today's episode features another incredible entrepreneur. Lately, we've been so lucky to have quite unique guests on our show from different industries, uh, which has been very insightful for us. Today's episode is no different, as it will be our first time discussing social entrepreneurship. Nicole Miles Brook is our guest today, an East Coaster from Halifax, Nova Scotia. By day, she's the director of marketing for Big Eric's. Uh, Atlantic Canada's full-service solution provider in commercial kitchen design build, commercial kitchen sanitization, concession and convenience equipment and supplies. Her skills as a digital marketer are evident as she has just led the team at Big Eric's through the build, testing, and live implementation of their new e-commerce store powered by Shopify. By night, she's the co-owner along with her husband, Brian, of The Nook, an espresso bar and lounge in downtown Halifax, which is probably where the, the majority of our conversation is going to be centered today. So, Nicole, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on today. So um, before we dive into uh, some of the questions I would love to go over with you today, um, it would be really great to to hear your backstory. And specifically, obviously, you can you can talk about your um, your experience and position at Big Eric's as the marketing director there, but would love to hear how you got into uh, into the cafe business specifically. So start wherever you want to start. Yeah, sure. Thanks. So um, our foray into into food service, um, you know, I guess for us, it was a little bit anticipated in kind of, you know, shaking out in an ownership capacity. But certainly myself um, and my family have been, you know, not not too far arm's length away from the hospitality industry. So, um, you know, we were just chatting before the show started about Halifax and the various food and beverage establishments that we're so lucky to have um, in in high uh, volume here. And uh, I spent a lot of my formative years growing up, you know, from some of my first jobs um, right up until, you know, obviously diving in as as an owner of a food and beverage restaurant in that industry. And I think service in general, there you have that calling to to be of service or you don't. So I don't necessarily think it's something that I could have even put the brakes on had I had I wanted to. So um, we we joined, you know, my husband and I joined first a franchise operation called Jumping Bean, which was out of Newfoundland. It's a great uh, small independently owned um, uh, cafe franchise. Uh, we brought the first one over to Nova Scotia. Unfortunately, the spoiler there is that it didn't necessarily work out as we had planned, but it did really bring us into this industry and really gave us the opportunity to be in the position we are today as co-owners of the Nook. So we we started, you know, it, dipping our toes in as franchise owners and then ended up 
owning and operating two independent cafes, um, which we now have dwindled down to one in the heart of Halifax. Nicole, sorry, Dave, I just want to jump in there. Nicole, so when you moved Jumping Bean over from, from St. John's over to Halifax, what were, what were some of the unexpected challenges that you might have faced? Um, so from like a very marketing centric perspective, which is always my go to, um, a little bit of an unknown brand, you know, it had a really great following in, in Newfoundland, excuse me. So there was 14 locations across the island of Newfoundland. They had a really good whole bean commercial sale operation going right across the country. I think we really believed that it would perfectly translate um, as a kind of mainland Canada, um, you know, position. And it just, you know, I think, and, you know, David and I talked about this briefly before the show, but, you know, in Nova Scotia specifically, and I think in, in the Atlantic provinces, folks are really used to chatting and getting to know owners of businesses where whether it's like someone you know walking up to someone at a farmer's market and you know kind of shooting the breeze with the owner there and they want to give feedback and and uh, we were getting feedback that we couldn't necessarily fully implement or have full control over in the in the franchise model so one of the examples I use is we were doing you know these like live music evenings but we didn't have a liquor license (laughs) and you know um in a bedroom community where we started the jumping bean franchise people wanted to be able to enjoy you know these independent beautiful music artists and have a pint or have that glass of wine with you know a cheese board and as we were moving a little bit outside of the framework that jumping bean had built their model on we just kind of realized over time that the results that we were seeing and the inability to move too much outside of their framework was was limiting I think the demographic is super important as well. Halifax is just known to have that type of environment, right? We were talking before the show. I mean, it's just the the nightlife in Halifax is is like nothing else. So, you know, I would, you know, I, at times I would even say it's better and bigger than Toronto. You know, it, per per wow. capita, the East Coast definitely knows how to entertain and support people, right? Because we were all. Um, all these small or, you know, small and growing cities were built around, um, you know, fishing and built around trades where people would go away and come back. And then there were all these celebratory kitchen parties and you were always helping out your neighbor and somebody had a fiddle and somebody could play the spoons and, you know, all of the cultural norms here are centric to those, those aspects that you described. That's awesome. uh, and classified sum that up in one of his songs as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Nothing like a Nova Scotia kitchen party. Yeah. <laughs> um, perfect. Well, thank you uh, for sharing a little bit of the backstory, Nicole. So, um, like I said, today we're going to focus primarily, I think, on on the Nook, and which is your your cafe that you you own and operate now, along with your husband. But um, you bring up an interesting point that the way that you got into this business was through, through a franchise called the jumping bean out East. And um, I know you, you referenced obviously some of the things that weren't working for you with that. And and then that being, you know, you had customers that wanted to do certain things like live music or come in and enjoy a pint or whatever it might've been, but it just wasn't working with their, their model of business. Um, What were some of the other, I guess, pros and cons of, of getting into a franchise business and uh, and that was was the vision ultimately to get in, learn about the business, and then get out and and open your own thing. Or 
yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I don't think the the vision for us has ever been like a very defined roadmap, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs would would uh, be with me when I when they hear me say that because I think as an entrepreneur, one of the things that you either have and love about about being self employed or you don't is that you have flexibility to morph and change and adapt as you see fit or as you see opportunity, and one of the the limiting things, and it's not necessarily a knock against a franchise model. We have friends that own them and operate them very successfully. But for us, maybe as entrepreneurs ourselves, the franchise model felt a little bit limiting and it wasn't anything anybody did at Jumping Bean head, head office. They are a great group of folks and we've had an amazing you know, exit with them. Like it was very amicable and, and they're a great group of folks that have done the business. But for us, the framework and the roadmap that we had hoped maybe to lean into and have stability in just wasn't serving us here in the market and specifically i think in the location that we had chose plus at the time you know we started jumping bean that's all we knew in terms of ownership of a food and beverage restaurant then when we had the opportunity to buy the nook which was in bankruptcy um at the time from the previous owners we scooped it up um you know out of bankruptcy we got a flavor of that indie model and we just got hooked and uh you know to your point about kind of leaning into what is happening and feedback the whole reason that our nook token program had its birth was because leaning into the needs of that community. So you mentioned the term limiting and, and that was one of the things. And, and, and I think if somebody's choosing to go the franchise route or they're choosing to go the, you know, the, the, their own route, the, the independent route, um, I, I truly believe it's, it's a certain personality type that needs to be geared towards one or the other. Like, you know, if you're a franchise and you want everything kind of set out on a plate, you know, out of a box, cookie cutter, good to go. And you just want to operate a business franchise roots the way to go. But if you have any inclining to being creative and having your own name and branding associated with it, and you have that ability to brand yourself and you're comfortable getting in front of the camera and doing all these things to help grow your following, I definitely think the independent route is the way to go. So my question is, you know, what is it about your specific personality that you think leans you more towards that independent route? Oh, I think for me, it's almost like, you know, when I when I talk to on, other entrepreneurs and other creatives, the thing that always comes back as like an underlining, um, you know, theme is always uh, the ability to do it your own way. And maybe some of us have issues with authority or, you know, maybe some of us just want to break out our, on our own and test and try different things and not be not be too sheltered Um in terms of what we want to pursue. And I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like I had a history obviously of working in publicity and branding through, you know, my previous work experience um, and, and owning, you know, my own small agency that I knew enough <laughs> to be dangerous um, in terms of the, the branding and PR and marketing world. And I think that lended itself really well as we were reinvigorating the Nook brand because it's not something that we invented. We took it over, as I said, from pre previous ownership. But what we did with the brand was unique and was new. And when, you know, when we launched the token program and we were leaning into the social enterprise model, which to be honest, we didn't know social enterprise was a thing, right? Like we knew people could be 
philanthropic and humanitarian and we knew that people could be business owners we didn't really we weren't really acutely aware that you could do this very synergistic ownership model of being social entrepreneurs so once we discovered that it was like pants on fire it broke us open um, in terms of what our purpose was and of course we all know once you find your why and your reason for doing something like there's no stopping you 100%. And so we're, we're actually going to dive in a little bit uh, in, in a moment here to so- social entrepreneurship specifically, as well as the token program that you came up with. But getting shifting into the nook away from the franchise model, um, is there, do you, can you tell us a little bit, bit about the history of the nook? Because from my understanding, it was around in downtown Halifax for quite a while before you took it over. So maybe tell us what it's, what it was and what it meant to the downtown community and ultimately, you know, through your branding and through your experience, what you've now turned it into. Right. So we had, it had two previous owners um, and two previous, you know, different but similar lives before we, we uh, took it over. So it, um, it had been around for almost five years um, through, through two groups of owners and it had a really lovely community vibe. It was a safe space, you know, for, for people who were in the LGBTQ plus, um, you know, communities. It was a, uh, you know, the name, the nook really does speak to the type of environment where we, we, you know, host our, our community members. It's a very small, cozy environment. It's on Gottagen. We're in the crosshairs of a bunch of, uh, different communities coming together, converging, you know, various different socioeconomic backgrounds that, you know, groups of folks that face different challenges on a day-to-day basis. And although it was a safe space for, you know, certain groups, it wasn't, the model previously didn't exist to fully service folks who might not have enough, you know, dollars in their pockets, who might not, um, you know, talk and interact with people in the same way um, that other clientele might, um, you know, and so as, as we got in there, and we were, um, you know, reworking the framework of a for profit business model, which obviously you focus on revenue, you focus on your top and your bottom line. um, You know, we were broken open as entrepreneurs, because folks were coming in and asking for a day old baked goods they were asking for you know to to avail of the the restroom facilities they were asking if they could wait out inclement weather before their next bus got there you know and as we got to know these community members we really sat down i remember a conversation with my husband where i was just you know my head was in my hands i was like what what can we do? We have to do something. I don't want to be in the position where we're just saying, oh, I really wish we could do something. We really I wish we could do something because we can do something and other people have done something. We just have to figure this out and tool this out and examine how that's going to work. So as I mentioned, like we didn't really know what social enterprise was, but you know, fortuitously or, or not, and whether people believe in fate or happenstance, you know, as we were developing what has now become the token program we hosted kind of a rebirth of our brand um like a big um you know reopening celebration evening we filled the 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 room with influencers not only in the traditional like or you know it's kind of weird to say traditional now when we're talking about influencers but not in the ways that we would think of as you know branded 
product branded influencers on social media, but people of influence in the community, including some of those folks who do a lovely job on social media channels, but also, you know, uh, political figures, folks that represented heads of these different um, community services and different groups of folks who were really the fabric of, of the community. And we were trying to explain what we were trying to do. And it's like, we were figuring it out as we went, right? We had all these gift cards programmed and we wanted to give these gift cards out and everyone was going to take two and they didn't know what amounts were on them. And, you know, the, the amounts varied, you know, from a really small amount, like $10 up to $200. And the onus was to give away a gift card, not knowing how much you were giving and the messaging and the kind of uh, theory that we were going on was you should always give, even if you're not receiving the same thing back. Like it shouldn't be a tit for tat model. It should be a pay it forward type of model. So this mm -hmm. kind of caught on. And one of the people that were in the room that night when we had this light up the nook event was actually involved with the common good solutions, which is a social enterprise Institute. And they invited me to open up for Mark brand, who is an amazing social entrepreneur out of, on the West coast um, with Save on Meats and various other establishments in downtown uh, Lower East Side, Vancouver. And I, you know, David, I mentioned this to you. I was kind of like very scared at this time <laughs> opening for someone yeah. with such a strong history. I worried if we, re re, you know, misrepresented ourselves a little bit. I was like, we don't know what we're doing. Like, we're just figuring this out. And they were like, no, that's perfect. Like, that's mm -hmm. perfect. Because he's the established guy yeah. with, you know, 10 plus years of experience in social enterprise. Mm -hmm. And you're the guys that are just figuring this out and starting. That's perfect. Yeah. And so I was just like, it was like blind faith. It was like, okay, I trust you. <laughs> and off we went to the, <laughs> to this event. And I opened for him giving a talk and uh, we got connected and I'm so happy I took that leap of faith because he's become a really good buddy of ours. We've gone out to Vancouver a couple of times to meet him and his team at Save on Meats and we've become, you know, we stay in, in pretty close contact. We talk about the issues that we're facing, the challenges that we're facing and he's lend, lent us a lot of his practical experience of what worked what didn't and we were you know so happy to be able to lean into that so as in our formative months of developing the token program i just really wonder how it would have shaken out had we not you know fortuitously or not cross paths with this person so i think entrepreneurship in general and certainly folks who are uh, you know involved in social enterprise the idea is always to do something that betters the community and that is really meaningful and impactful to you and, and those around you. But I don't think for a second that everyone has it figured out from day one. And I don't think people should be afraid of having it all figured out. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you've, you've described a bit of the meal token pro program so far, which is an incredible program that you guys have set up uh, through the nook. And I think for the, for our listeners today and for the entrepreneurs out there today that are listening that have businesses, this is a, this is a type of program that you can, you can almost replicate in any context for any business and it will work really, really well. So maybe we'll get into a little bit of the, the details on how to set that up in a minute. But, um, Nicole, just, just curious before we get into that, if you could maybe now that you have a little bit more experience with what social entrepreneurship is and what social enterprise is can you can you maybe share what it now means to you because i think it's it's their terms that 
a lot of people maybe roll their eyes at when they hear it um, and don't fully understand what it is. And, and if, if you get certain people that get into business as a social entrepreneur or want to run a social, social enterprise, they have that guilt of, well, I'm making money or should I, be, should I be making a profit off of this? So maybe just share a little bit of uh, your views on that. Right. So I think for people that don't know, and we were definitely in this position before, so no knocks on people that don't know what it is. So mm -hmm. social enterprise is really a business that has, you know, specific measurable objectives to, um, you know, defined purpose for financial reasons, uh, you know, to, to make a difference and to have a, a bottom and top line factor. But it also seeks to maximize you know, not only profits, but benefits to society or the environment or a community or a certain cause or like raison d'etre or like reason for, for doing it. So you have a side of the business that might be separate um, or you might have a synergistic approach. So a lot of folks would be familiar with like the Tom Shoe brand, which was they kind of holistically integrated the social enterprising aspect where you bought a shoe one for one you bought a shoe and a pair of shoes was donated it was like you know the cost of donating the shoe and to, to those in need and everything that went into to facilitating that aspect of the business was integrated fully into the cost uh, or the retail sales price of the first pair of shoes that consumers would buy Mm -hmm. Other aspects of social enterprise might be that a certain portion of your profits or your your bottom line are donated to a specific cause. So we see, you know, lots of B Corp um, companies doing this, like the 1% for the environment movement, where a certain percentage of your bottom line is donated to maybe another organization or body to help facilitate. And then for us, like we... We see ourselves um, in in a little bit of a synergy, but it's not like every time you buy a coffee, you know, a coffee is donated, but um, you can buy a coffee and at the same time you can suspend one of these tokens or you can come in and buy a token to redeem um, at, the, at the time of purchase without having any questions asked. So when we describe how our social enterprise is um, sustainable and how it's set up, we de describe it in a three-pronged approach. So what we say is, we um, subsidize part of the overhead, obviously, for our operations and labor. We have um, a bagel and food provider that gives us um, raw ingredients at cost, specifically in the amounts that we would typically use for the token program redemption. Mm -hmm. And then our coffee supplier um, also gives us a um, uh donates actually um the coffee that we would typically use so the volume we would typically use so and then the the other prong so it's like us subsidizing these these producers donating or or uh, subsidizing the cost and then the community members so the two dollar and five dollar denominations that they spend to uh to suspend either a coffee and a bagel token for two dollars or a meal token for five rounds out that three-pronged uh, equation. So all of these different prongs come together and, you know, formulate this tripod that that supports the whole model. So it would be really unsustainable for us if we were completely subsidizing the program ourselves, just because 
you know, the level of revenue and the small kind of, you know, slash medium size of our, our operation. And like, like, likewise, if we were completely relying on just members of the public or just our producers, there might be too much strain put on any one of those three, you know, legs of the tripod. And now a word from our sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Fresh Crowd. Fresh Crowd is a full-service social media agency in Canada that specializes in everything social, from management to community building and advertising. Fresh Crowd can help your business attract a fresh crowd of people. Visit freshcrowd.com to find out more. There's a there's a several ways. I want to switch gears just for a second, Nicole. But there are several ways that you're bringing awareness to the nook, right? I mean, you have obvious word of mouth, um, the local influencers that are coming in and they're spreading the word as well, and obviously social media. You got a good following on your Instagram account. Um, maybe you can share a little bit of insight on what are what are some of the effective strategies for raising awareness. Right. So for us, um, obviously, as we were developing um, the token program, we, we wanted to generate awareness and momentum around it so that it would, you know, prosper and, and be sustainable. So we did have this, uh, you know, launch event, um, as well as we did a whole press junket. Um, once we had the, you know, the word out there that we were doing this, we did, you know, back to back interviews. So media, you know, we got the media working, um, to help us disseminate a lot of the information. Like we were doing local TV and radio, you know, pre-taped bits. We were doing live, like iHeartRadio syndicated broadcasts and we were you know um interviewed and published in like the toronto star and flare magazine and because of some of that we also got attention for people who might have had local connections um but maybe lived elsewhere in canada or in the world sharing some of these news pieces and media um uh bits throughout their social networks and then it was you know multiplying from there um and then honestly one of the biggest uh ways and i guess maybe a little bit unanticipated was you know part of the way that we distribute the tokens that are suspended in the cafe is through a network of community partners so we have about 12 community partners that we work with it's based on greatest need so we might not give them all the same amount of tokens every week or every day but we keep keep in very close contact with them and talk to them often about what's going on in their operations. A lot of them are non-for-profits, some of them are arm's length government, some of them are completely privately funded, and they all kind of touch different aspects of communities and members of our community who might face insecurity or who might face isolation. Um, you know, the list goes on. Some of the biggest, um, you know, returns on quote unquote investment for this program has been through the membership and association, you know, employees and volunteers talking about the benefits to their um, community members who actually patronize the Nook and actually avail of tokens. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe if you could, because you've you've made reference to different aspects of the token program so far. So I think people can piece piece it together. But if maybe you could just break it down specifically what the what the meal token program is and how it works. Um, that would be great because I, I really do think that it, it would work well for um, a lot of different businesses and in, in various industries. I mean, obviously, um, food and beverage being being probably the best one. Uh, so if you can if you can maybe just dive into that a little bit right now, that'd be great. 
Right. So how it works, we've already talked a little bit about um, the three pronged approach. So I won't mm -hmm. go over that again. Yeah. But the basics of it are that we have these tokens, they look like little poker chips, one of them's black, one of them's white, one of them's good for the redemption of a coffee and a bagel with spread. One of them is good for the redemption of a meal. Um, they're purchased for $2 and $5 respectively. Um, we have these for sale in our cafe. So as I mentioned, people can come in, buy them for immediate use. No questions asked. Here's a toonie. I want, you know, a coffee and bagel token. Great. Here you go. Um, $5 for a meal. Uh, they used to be able to be suspended in the cafe, but again, you know, working out the kinks and learning as we as we went. Sometimes it was so heartbreaking to have nothing in the little, you know, available baskets for people who were in need. So what we switched up was working on the token distribution model. So people come in with a token to redeem or they know that they can buy one and redeem one. So tokens that are purchased are distributed at the at the discretion of the purchaser. So if I come in um, and, and buy one, I can take it with me to distribute myself to mm. folks I might, you know, encounter on my, on my way. Um, or I can leave it for the Nook, you know, owners and our network to, um, distribute within, you know, the, the approximately dozen community and social service organizations. Um, so Nook tokens fight hunger because, you know, people come in, they avail of, of nourishing food that they might not otherwise be able to avail of. Mm -hmm. um, it's in a model that's been developed around dignity and respect. So they have choice of menu options. It's not just, you know, take what you're given and be happy with it and go on your way. Um, I think some of the stigma that we try to um, break down is that, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We hear all these kind of terrible um, one-liners for reasons why people don't give to people in need or they're fearful that they're feeding an addiction or a problem or they're making it worse. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that stems from ignorance. And yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that mm -hmm. as a society, we haven't done enough to, to break down some of the stigma, why it's there and what we can do about it. So the slogan of the program is kindness is currency. And the mm -hmm. idea is to pay it forward, pay out kindness and uh, forget about everything always needing to come down to dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's powerful. And so I mean, really, what I want to get across to people is like, this isn't necessarily that difficult to, to set up. I mean, you, you can you can come up with something very simple like you have and then in order to fund it and make it possible it, it would just be you know a matter of reaching out to distributors telling them what you're doing you already have a relationship with these people and then maybe they're willing to give you a break and then therefore you can subsidize it in in-house is that yeah, correct it, yeah it all starts with a conversation i think yeah. a lot of us are scared and we've definitely been there too to mm -hmm. not having it all perfectly laid out or perfectly tooled out or stats and figures to support it like a lot of things we've seen entrepreneurs do start with an idea and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be complex it doesn't have to be weighted down by all these checks and balances a lot of entrepreneurs figure things out as mm -hmm. you as you go a lot of marketers do the same thing like you mm -hmm. have a theory you're a little bit of a social scientist you hope your hypothesis works out but if it doesn't you record the results and you move on to test something else so mm -hmm. that's what that's what we've done we've given us ourselves a little bit of a break in terms of 
giving ourselves grace. Like I always tell people that I'm a recovering perfectionist in mm. my mind's eye, probably 10 years ago, I would not have tackled this unless I had it completely perfectly tooled out with like a business case and a business plan and investors and everything, you know, marked down T's and I's dotted and crossed. Like that's how I would have approached this. And I think the grace that we can give ourselves is that as long as you're trying something to make the world a better place, to make your community a better place, you can start small and it can still have a big impact. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have a huge following. You don't have to have millions of dollars. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be uh, hugely successful in other areas of your life. Like, mm -hmm. This can go a long way if you're willing to put in hard work and you're willing to be vulnerable and you're willing to have conversations that are hard. A lot of conversations we had with these community service um, organizations really informed how we how we structured the, the program. We didn't want to further marginalize people. We didn't want to disrespect them by using certain language or certain vernacular or perpetuating something uh, about these groups of, of people. Mm -hmm. So we did research, but we also just kept having conversations and we, we have made adjustments to the program based on feedback from members of our community who avail of tokens and the people that help service them in other areas of their life. And, you know, we've, we've taken it from there one step at a time. Yeah, and, and I think that's a powerful lesson for everybody to listen, listen, like to hear right now, especially right now as we go through COVID is don't let your perfectionism get in the way of actually starting something and trying something new. And if I remember correctly, you had a pretty good phrase for that and when it comes to marketing anyways, and that's your, your repeat and delete approach. Yeah, repeat and delete. Yeah. You yeah. repeat what's working and you delete what, what isn't working and you don't have to explain it to anyone most of the time you know you're not under so much scrutiny it's usually scrutiny that you've invented in your own head right like we're all our own worst critics most people are not thinking that hard about what we're doing so don't be afraid yeah. to make mistakes like especially and i think right now with everything we're seeing politically and as a revolution with black lives matter like people are very afraid to be allies because they're afraid of doing it the wrong way and, um, you know, coming under personal scrutiny when really it's not about them. It's about this other group of people that are going to be mm -hmm. impacted. So do something. Don't let fear stop you from doing something because of this veil of ego and, and scrutiny that you're you're applying to your own life. Mm -hmm. Very awesome. Um, Nicole, I wanted to, I want to touch on this before we wrap it up here, but you know, you're doing so many good things in your business right now. You've made such progress in a relatively short period of time. Now, what is on the horizon for the nook, the next five years? What are, what are some of your goals? Oh my God. If I could tell you what's going to happen five years from now, I don't know if we'd be having this conversation because yeah. five years ago, I didn't really know that we would be doing this. So I think for myself and certainly my husband's had been forced to embrace this as well. Um, you know, he has a military background, so he likes order and he likes planning and, and that was 20 years of his life. But I think what 
maybe is so addictive about being an entrepreneur and being self-employed and, and figuring some of this stuff out is that you know that you can just adapt and change and roll with some of the punches and that you might have setbacks and you might have things fall in your lap and all of that is okay. Um, so yeah, will we be in the food and beverage industry forever? Like, I don't know. It's a tough industry. Mm -hmm. It's a tough industry. It's, there's very slim margins to be made as owners in general. Like anyone can look up restaurant Canada stats. Mm -hmm. Um, you do it for the love of being in service to people. You do absolutely do not do it for your, your paycheck. And, um, I think for us, we will always look to, opportunities that are more than just um you know putting funds in our bank account and we'll continue to seek out things that are challenging and that challenge us as people and as community members because now that we know social enterprise we can't unlearn it mm -hmm. absolutely well that was uh that was amazing i think that's pretty much it for today um want to thank you very very much for coming on today nicole and sharing your your thoughts and um your wisdom on on how you've set up this incredible program for your business and if there's anyone out there listening today that wants to get in touch with you to find out more about setting up a social enterprise or program for their business what's the best way that they can do that um, I'm most active on Instagram at Nicole Miles Brook. Um, you can find me on most, um, you know, most social platforms either at Nicole Miles Brook. It, my name is not really repeated anywhere. So if you Google <laughs> me, you can find me on LinkedIn and, uh, uh, you know, Twitter and elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, you can always send me a DM, shoot me a line, even via, you know, the Nooks um, Instagram page. We'll, we'll always get the message uh, back to me uh, in whatever capacity. And I would love to hear from people because I think sometimes just soundboarding something against someone else who's done it the same way that we did it with Mark Brand gives mm -hmm. you a little bit of belief that it can be done. And uh, the biggest thing that we always hoped that would come, you know, specifically out of social enterprise was that people would be inspired to do it in their business and in their communities. And we've seen that happen in Halifax. Like there's at least five new social enterprises that I think in some small way we can attribute to us um, jumping and waiting for that net to appear. So don't be afraid to try it and definitely don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get in touch. Awesome. Jay, do you want to leave us with anything? That's it, man. I think I think this is a, I think our final and last question you're about to ask David is probably uh, I'm interested to hear the answer to that one. Yeah. So, Nicole, we uh, we like to end the show uh, with the same question for everybody. And that is, if you could choose one person dead or alive to represent your brand, who would it be and why? Oh, geez. <laughs> That's a tough one. I wish you guys had fielded this out uh, prior. <laughs> um, uh... Let's see. Who would I choose, dead or alive, to represent my my brand? I don't even know what brand. Is that my personal brand? Hmm. Well, the Nook. The Nook. Yeah, let's use the Nook. The Nook? If, uh, dead or alive? Oh, God. Who would it be? I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. I think my intuition tells me to go um, for the person that we know. And, you know, we've attributed so much, um, you know, gratitude towards and that's probably mark brand on the west coast you know he's another canadian and i think he would just do such a good job he'd probably reinvent it and make it even better <laughs> well that's perfect i think that's great um awesome well thank you uh, so much again nicole for coming on today and and we we look forward to having you on again
Yeah, I would love that, you guys. And I hope you both take care and stay well. And uh, we'll be chatting soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Nicole. Okay. Cheers. Thanks. Well, there you go. There you have it. Nicole and the Nook. Uh, I think that uh, that was a very interesting episode and definitely shows kind of a, another side of entrepreneurship that we really haven't unwrapped before, yeah. right? Which is yeah. social entrepreneurship. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest misconception even that I was under when it comes to social entrepreneurship is that you're, you're not making money or that you're, you're in it for the, the give back part. And of course you are, but at the end of the day, as Nicole mentioned, um, you still need to make money in order to sustain the program. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's okay. That's, you know, you shouldn't feel bad about being profitable as a social entrepreneur. Or enterprise. But naturally, people want to give back. And, and I think the whole token idea and the whole business model around it, I think is brilliant. You know, people feel good to give back better to give than to receive, right? So mm -hmm. you know, when you're there, and, and you're you're giving back, you, I think you just enjoy the whole experience of, of eating out or having a coffee that much more when you know, in the process of it, you are giving back. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. So, uh, what a great episode. I, I, I told Nicole when we chatted last, I, uh, if I'm in Halifax this, this summer, as I hope to be, I'll definitely stop by for a cup of coffee. Cool. So awesome. We'll okay. I'll leave it at that. We got uh, some more exciting guests coming back to the podcast. Um, so stay tuned, keep following merged media and, uh, drop us a message. If you have a guest that would like to be on, or you would like to be on the show podcast that merged. .ca